0: Welcome to the Bridgeway Church Podcast. My name is David Bowden, and every week I sit down with one or several members of our church staff and host a conversation about how Bridgeway is seeking to fulfill its mission as the Church of Jesus Christ here in our city. If you are a member of Bridgeway, we hope this helps you more deeply engage with what God is doing in our midst, and if you aren't a part of Bridgeway, we hope you feel welcome and that our discussions may lead to more Christ-glorifying ministry in your own context. Let's jump in. All right, well welcome everyone to the Bridgeway Podcast. We're glad you're joining us. We are starting a new series today on the Holy Spirit. We're going to spend about five weeks talking about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about um, who is the Holy Spirit? How are we filled with the Holy Spirit? How do we grow in our relationship with the Holy Spirit? What does spiritual dependence look like? How do we depend on the Holy Spirit? Listen to His voice, be guided by Him. And then we'll finally end with um, what is the power of the Holy Spirit? Uh, Is that something we're supposed to use or where does it come from? Uh, How do we understand it? So uh, I'm very excited to kick things off with uh, the the fundamental question behind all of this, which is, who is the Holy Spirit? And uh, we have Sam Storms, uh, lead pastor uh, here at Bridgeway, in the studio today to answer that question. Sam, how are you?
1: Well, I'm doing well. I just had my morning donut, so I'm energized and sugared up. <laughs> there you and ready go. To go and you... got coffee at my right hand. So with a donut and coffee, what can go wrong? That's
0: right. You're going to be hyperactive <clears throat> on this conversation today. That's right. I'll, That's good. I'll
1: mistake it for the power of the spirit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. So um, this is. I mean, you know, I I have spent now almost eight years in, in uh, biblical training at higher education, um, in in higher education, and uh, I did not hear about the personhood of the Holy Spirit in that he he is a he, you know, not necessarily gender, but right. a, a person uh, and not a, a force or a power or, you know, but he actually has intuition and things like that. I did not hear that until coming to Bridgeway and hearing you preach on the personhood of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so I would, f- and I, I remember my wife's mind was equally blown. We just had never had categories for that before. Um, so I, Maybe let's talk about sure. um, how most of us view the Holy Spirit um, in general, and then how does the Bible teach us about the person of the Holy Spirit, and what does that mean for us? Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse yeah.
1: me. Uh, well, an interesting um, facet of that discussion is that, in an effort to uh, highlight the personality of the Spirit, that mm. the Spirit is a person, there are many, uh, and especially I think this is within the kind of the charismatic circles, there are many. who have have dropped the definite article, and you will hear them say, well, Holy Spirit said to me, or I I was uh, uh, feeling the presence of Holy Spirit. They don't say the Holy Spirit, because they think that somehow the the definite article depersonalizes. Sure. Now, the interesting thing about it is, I think think this is accurate, that every time in the New Testament when the Holy Spirit is referred to as a person, the definite article is present. It's there, yeah. And every time when the the power of the Spirit as an energizing presence is operative in us, the article is absent.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. So now there may be an exception here or there, but sure. I think that's a fairly general rule. So I don't have any objection to people dropping the definite article. That's fine. But uh, it, it if you want to follow the biblical pattern, you should include it. <laughs> <laughs> so, But, yeah, the... the um, Obviously, everybody thinks immediately of, uh, you know, the force be with you. and this, Oh, sure. <clears throat> you remember Obi-Wan Kenobi talking about with Luke Skywalker, there is this energy that pervades the universe. Yes. That gives cohesion and unity. And, and then, of course, there's the dark side of the force and the good side of the force. Yep. Um, and uh, whether or not, you know, those who produced and wrote the script for Star Wars <laughs> were thinking of the biblical spirit of God, I don't know. But unfortunately, it has, it has served, I think, to depersonalize the Spirit, and people think mm. – they, they don't think of the Spirit as a person. Uh, I had a – I recently did a uh, my monthly uh, live call-in show with Janet Parshall on the radio, and a lady called in and asked a very important question that people often ask in this regard. And she said, you know, I know – I understand it's right to pray to the Father and the Son, but mm. I hear people praying to the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? Right. And I, I pointed out to her that, well, generally, the New Testament has a pattern. We pray to the Father in the name of the Son, in the power of the Spirit. But I said, is not the Spirit God?
0: Mm-hmm. She said,
1: well, yeah, of course. <laughs> and I said, well, therefore, it is perfectly appropriate to pray to God. In fact, yeah. any time we say, O Lord, or God in our prayers, we're talking about the Trinity. We're talking about the one being who subsist in three co-equal persons. And so mm-hmm. we talked in that that discussion, and this is a good introduction to ours, that we have to keep in mind when we talk about the Trinity, this distinction between being and person mm-hmm. or nature and person. And I pointed out uh, in, in responding to this lady that um, the Father is not the same person as the Son. Right. The Son is not the same person as the Spirit, but the Father, Son, and Spirit are the same God. Mm-hmm. And I know that circuits are blowing right now. You know, people say, "What?" Um and you know the famous saying from Augustine, you know, try to understand the Trinity and it'll blow your mind. You know, deny the Trinity and you'll lose your soul. Oh, yeah. Um so it is ultimately in an incomprehensible mystery, but we believe that the Spirit is as much a person as is the Son and the Father. It's just that the language, I mean, when when you hear the word Father, you you have an image I do, yeah. of somebody who's going to embrace you and love you there there's a connection between uh, you know the experience of fatherhood here on mm-hmm. earth you hear the word son oh, okay i you know you and i we're sons right. we had a father but when you hear the words holy spirit or in the old king james holy ghost right um and you think well how do i get my arms around a, a you know a yeah. gas you know as right. it were, a a fume a power an energy and so we don't envision the spirit as being a person, because the Spirit did not become incarnate. Right. You know, it says the Word became flesh. It doesn't say the Spirit became flesh. The Father didn't become flesh, only the Son. So we do have this initial obstacle to get over in our minds. Mm. <clears throat> and I I often ask people, and they they respond befuddled. I say, do you have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit? They, they expect me to say the Son. right? And they say, a personal relation. In other words, do I know him do i interact with him do i think of him in personal terms and most of them will say no they said Mm -hmm. that that doesn't register in my understanding of my relationship with god so it's important that we understand the, the the holy spirit is a person now maybe the best way to do this is to ask what is a person yeah sure in other words You know, for example, the chair you're sitting in is not a person. It lacks the qualities of personhood. Yes. So what are the qualities of personhood? Well, we wouldn't say that a person has to be embodied because God the Father is not embodied, but he's a person. Yep. Uh, What would we say if we said, tell me what a person is? Well, I think there are at least three things, probably more. A person has a mind. Mm -hmm. A person thinks. A person reasons, deduces, infers, concludes. Uh, a person has—I'm um, hesitant to use the word emotions. I like the word affections. A person has affections; they feel.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In other words, they don't just think, but they experience love, hate, joy, those sorts of things. Right. A person has a will. Um, w- you know, we might be able to uh, to envision a robot and think it's a person because it seems to you know, be able to reason at least digitally mm. and it's programmed, um, to, um, to, to give expression to emotions, even though it doesn't have them, but does it have a will? Can it deliberate? Can it, can it consciously, does it have self-reflection, mm. you know, an awareness of self as a self? Yeah. And so this, all of these things are true of the spirit. For example, um, Isaiah 11, 2, which is a, uh, a, a prophetic reference to the to the Messiah, says the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord will rest upon the Messiah. So here's the spirit being described in terms of knowledge, understanding, counsel. Um, John 14, 26, Jesus said the spirit will teach you all things. Right, yep. Um, uh, Romans eight twenty seven. who searches... He who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit. Hmm. So the spirit thinks. Yeah, think about the spirit thinking. You know, this is a person. Right. Second, the spirit does have affections or feelings. Now, this gets us into a whole different theological debate about uh, the impassibility of God and does God have emotions? And but I don't want to go there. Right. But Romans eight twenty six it says the spirit intercedes for us with groanings. Hmm. Well, that's a interesting. The Spirit groans. right? Or um, uh, Romans 15, 30, talks about the love of the Spirit. And I don't think he's talking about our love for the Spirit. He's talking about the Spirit's love. Mm. Uh, Ephesians 4, 30, we're told, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Right. Now, some may want to just write that off as a metaphor or a, you know, an anthropopathism, but I think the Holy Spirit can feel the grief um, that comes from our sinning, unrepentant. Uh, unrepentantly or um acts fifteen twenty eight. i love this passage it's the jerusalem council and they're giving their uh, reason for the decision they had come to about how to include gentiles in the church right and it says it seemed good to the holy spirit <laughs> so i mean here's the holy spirit saying yeah, yeah i like that. i like that one i like that <laughs> conclusion so and then of course will um acts 16 paul's you know uh, trying to make his way uh, into certain areas in Asia Minor, and it says the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Hmm. He forbade them to go there. Or uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 10, the Spirit grants gifts, spiritual gifts, according to his will. Yeah. So think about all that. He, he has a will. He, he deliberates. He makes choices. Um, he thinks. He has a mind. Uh, he understands. He has affections and emotions. Those are the, now there may, are there other qualities that are necessary for personhood? I don't know what they'd be. Yeah. You don't have to have a body. Right. Because we know, for example, that even the, those who have died in Christ now are in the intermediate state. We wouldn't say didn't. that
0: they've lost personhood. Right,
1: they're still persons. Yeah. So all of these things are predicated of the spirit. Mm-hmm. So that I think is the first and foundational way in which we need to overcome this barrier to thinking of the spirit as a person.
0: Yeah, I, it, I mean, it really does. Kind of, it's it's hard to put those things together for some reason. I think it's because you talked about anthropopathism. I think about how I have this anthropomorphic vision of the father, right? Where it's like he, I, I have an image in my head for some reason There's of a strong of, right of, arm. Yeah, you know. yeah, like yeah, he's got big wings so he can cover us. Yeah, no, I, you know, but you know, I can I can populate even a somehow my mind can deal with that contradiction that that that, that the that the father doesn't have a body. But I can still kind of picture him, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and in the, in the sun, I have a vision of what I think, you know, of not necessarily what I think Jesus looks like, but I have a, a picture of the face of Jesus in my head, you know, right. and he lived on this earth and had a body. So like that one. But for some reason, even no matter how much you pile on personhood qualities and attributes onto the Holy Spirit, I have a hard time sure. letting them stick. Because I, I don't know what they're sticking on to.
1: And you know, part of the problem is is the Bible itself. I mean, the Bible <laughs> creates this problem in the sense that um, the word for spirit, as you know, is also the Greek word for breath or right. wind. Yeah. And even Jesus in John 3, <clears throat> when he's talking to Nicodemus, says, you know, the spirit is like the, you, you, you see the effect of the wind. You don't know where it comes from, where it goes. But you can see the rustling of the leaves in a tree. Yeah. And so we tend to depersonalize the Spirit as a result of that. <clears throat> there are, <clears throat> excuse me, there are other aspects. For example, when you read in the New Testament in particular, and by the way, let's be clear the Spirit of God is present in the Old Testament. Yes. Uh, the Spirit is referred to many times. Mm-hmm. Now, the full orbed revelation of triunity in God. Is, in, is implicit in the Old Testament, but it isn't made explicit until we come to the New Testament. Right. But in the New Testament, the Spirit performs all the functions of a person. So I just wrote down, I've got several. We have, I've got probably a dozen texts where it says the Spirit talks. Mm-hmm. He testifies, John 15 and 16. Matthew 12, this is interesting. He can be sinned against. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yep. Now think about that. I can... I can violate the traffic laws of Oklahoma. Right. I can transgress a rule that is set out, for example, in my home as I was growing up. But for the idea to sin against, you know, Jesus says the one sin that is unforgivable is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Right. So the Spirit can be sinned against. He can be lied to. Acts five, Ananias and Sapphira. Mm-hmm. Peter says, "Why did you lie to the Holy Spirit?" Yeah, um, he can be tested and tempted. Uh, same passage in Acts five. Huh. Um, you know, you're putting him to the test. Right. Um, I can't put the traffic laws of Oklahoma to the test. I can put the policeman who's sitting on the side of the road with a radar gun to the test. Mm-hmm. But you put you test or tempt a person. Uh, Hebrews ten. Uh, the author of Hebrews talks about insulting the Holy Spirit. Mm. Um, 2 Corinthians 13, 14 he talks about the fellowship or the communion of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Acts 9, the Holy Spirit encourages us. Uh, Acts or Ephesians three sixteen, in that p- prayer of Paul, he talks about the Spirit strengthening us. Uh, he teaches us. So all of these things that we would instinctively predicate of a person, another right. human being, these same activities are used to describe the work of the Spirit in the New Testament.
0: Okay, uh, yeah, I, I think the case is, is, I mean, almost flawless in, in, in the Bible. Of, you have to see whatever the Bible calls the Holy Spirit, you have to see it as... Um, a person, that it has personhood. I think what might be helpful as we're trying to drill down into this foundational episode before we talk about all the things that the Holy Spirit does in us and we're trying to figure out who is the Holy Spirit, I think one thing that I'm thinking of, and I know it's manifested itself in heresies throughout the mm-hmm. the, the, the history of the church, is um, I think when I think of the Holy Spirit, sometimes I think of the Father is a person, and um, uh, and then when he like does something in the world through his force, you know, through his power, right. like, is that his Holy Spirit? You know, I think that might be what people think is like, um, yeah, all these things have, have, you know, the Holy Spirit has all these personhoods, but isn't this just like the force of God or how is the Holy Spirit and the father, how are they distinct persons within the Trinity? And I know Augustine says this will try to blow our minds yeah. if we try to think about it, but having that conversation a little bit might help our listeners. Cause I think those, yeah. I don't have as much trouble separating the spirit and the son. Because even in the New Testament, I see the Son doing things by the power of the Spirit. So I, I can kind of separate those somehow. And even somehow. we
1: read that the Spirit of Christ dwells within <laughs> Right,
0: yeah. yeah. So I don't know, maybe if we could talk a little bit about the Trinity and maybe, I, I don't know, that's a, that's a hard yeah, one. Yeah, this is
1: a tough one, but um, and we have to be careful because we don't want to move in a direction that would lead to Unitarianism, right. which denies the... The, the tri-unity, the threefold personhood of God. Yeah,
0: or, or like <clears throat> uh, or like modalism. Yeah, right. and we don't want
1: to move in the opposite direction and end up in tri-theism. Oh, right. Where we have three separate gods. So how do we—and re- I think the, the key to, to remember is that whatever one person, uh, whatever power or activity one person of the Godhead has or performs— The other two have and perform.
0: Mm, That's helpful. Yeah.
1: So um, you're right. You mentioned, for example, uh, uh, references to the Spirit as the creative power of God. And yet, when we come to the New Testament, for example, in John chapter 1, all things were created through the Word.
0: Right. In
1: Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, um, God the Son is said to be the one who creates all things and upholds the universe. And yet, we have other texts that say the Spirit does this. Right. I think they. They jointly ex- exercise these various attributes and displays of power. Um, and again, I know that that is so hard for us to grasp. And I, I, I think, I think that's why it's so wonderful. <laughs> it's just such yeah. a challenge. Um, but as long as we maintain this balance between, on the one hand, affirming there is but one God, on the other hand, affirming that there are three who are God, but yet without Falling into the trap of saying there are three separate deities, there's mm-hmm. only one divine being, and they inter. Theologians like to call this the interpenetration of the persons of the Godhead. They cohere together. They, the, it's not like uh, it's not like God the Son has the the uh, let's say uh, he has the attribute of truthfulness, but the Spirit doesn't. Mm-hmm. Well, no, that's that's ridiculous. They they are all. What the Son has that the Spirit doesn't have is sonship. Yes. What the Spirit has that the Son and the Father don't have is procession. He proceeds from the Father. What mm. the Father has that the Son and the Spirit don't have is a, a paternal uh, relationship to the other two persons of the Godhead.
0: Yeah, that, that's helpful. Maybe, maybe lean into that, uh, talking about the distinctive the distinctiveness of the Holy Spirit in its procession. Um, because that's that's leaning on um, what Jesus said, that yeah. he will send the Spirit. Is that what, is that what yeah, that's coming from?
1: Yeah, the Spirit who proceeds from the Father, I will send him. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah, this, this is a hard thing, again, because we don't know how to unpack the meaning of procession. Mm. Uh, it, it certainly means that the Spirit is in relationship to the Father and Son, and in his ministry to us, There's a sense in which he comes from them. Mm -hmm. He mediates their presence in our lives. He awakens us to who they are. Um, But that doesn't mean he's any less God. Right. Doesn't mean he's a a less, you know, a third rank deity and the son is a second rank and only the father is real God. (laughs) Yeah. Those are heresies that the church has traditionally rejected. Mm -hmm. But it is hard to say, what does it mean to say the spirit proceeds? And quite honestly, I don't know. There, there are no biblical texts that tell me. Um, Jonathan Edwards argued, and this, this, is, this will really get, get us in some deep waters, and I'm glad. Hopefully, we're coming to the end of this podcast so I don't have to try to <laughs> swim out of this. Edwards said that the father loves the son, and the son loves the father, and the spirit is the love that emanates back and forth between father and son. And I think that's true. There are texts that seem to speak of that, but Edwards felt the pushback. Well, that it sounds like you've just depersonalized the spirit. He's nothing right. more than, than the affection of love between father and son. And Edwards responds to that very in great detail and says, no, no, he is a person, but his preeminent task as person is to, how do you say this, to embody, to communicate this affection that father and son have one for another. Um, it's interesting. I'm trying to remember exactly how it is said in the New Testament. The father is many times said to love the son. Yes. The son is said to love the father. The spirit is never said to love the son or the father.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Why? Well, Edward says because the spirit is that love. Mm. Now, again, like I said, that just threw us into the deep end. And right. I don't know that I'm going to be able to extricate myself from it. But yeah, it's a fascinating thought. Um, you know, there was a debate that sp- that literally split the church mm. back in the medieval period, Roman Catholic into Eastern Orthodoxy. People wonder wh- this gets us off on another topic. But what was one of the main reasons that the uh, Eastern Orthodox split from Roman Catholicism? And one of them was over this issue of the procession of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. because in the West, according to Augustine, the Spirit proceeds from the Father through the Son, and the East said, no, the Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. And that little and the Son in Latin is the word filioque. Right. And, you you, you know, people hearing this are saying, wait a minute. You're telling me that, <laughs> that this massive um, entity called Christianity in the medieval period divided and split over whether the Spirit proceeds only from the Father or also from the Son? How petty. Right. And the, the answer response is, I tend to agree, mm. but the reason was that the East was very upset that the West would have tinkered with the with the creeds, right. and inserted the word filioque, right, and had done that kind of authoritatively and independently of their input. So right. it was kind of a was, show.
0: It was a show of power. It was a show of power. Yeah, they right. were,
1: they resented the fact that Rome uh-huh. had taken the liberty to tinker with what they thought was a, a creed embraced by all Christians. But well, that gets us way off base, right? But uh, what we're doing here is. We're just working in and around what is a, such a profound mystery. Bottom line is um, we have to come back to say, all right, I don't grasp it. Mm. I can't comprehend it. I can't reduce it to an image that helps me, mm. but I affirm Holy Spirit is a person uh, who hears me, who loves me, who empowers me, who lives inside of me, uh, who prompts and, and 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 works through me. I mean, think about you know, the repeated exhortation in the New Testament to pray always in the Spirit. Right. And what does that mean? Well, among other things, it means that I'm, I'm confident that when I'm praying, the Spirit is going to bring to my mind the things that need to be said. Hmm. The Spirit is going to sustain me in prayer so I won't quit and give up. Uh, the Spirit will shape the wording of my of my petitions so that they are stated in the right way uh, to the Father. So, I you know, again... Although this is probably beyond, certainly beyond my comprehension and yours and that of our listeners, we just must hold on to and maintain
0: this understanding that the Spirit is a person. We can have a personal relationship with the Spirit. Mm. I I think that's really helpful. I think the more we try to spin our wheels and try to pin down what we're talking about, um, the, the more we realize how vast this mystery is. And that's good news, like you said. Like it's a beautiful thing that that the Trinity and the Holy Spirit should blow our minds. Yep. Because um, if this if this book, the Bible, you know, was a product just of human volition and um, you know, imagination, mm-hmm. um, it would be full of things that we could understand yeah. completely. And just
1: a uh, kind of tie a ribbon on this little discussion, um, there is in the evangelical theological world a resurgence in studies on the Trinity. Mm. There have been more books written on the Trinity, I think, in the last 10 years than maybe in the last 100 years combined. Why do you think that is? Uh, I'm not real sure. Uh, I, I think it may well be uh, an increasing recognition on the part of evangelicals of how foundational this truth is to the biblical revelation. Yeah. Um, I would highly recommend people get a book by Fred Sanders. It's called The Deep Things of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's published by Crossway. It is <clears throat> What Fred does in this book uh, is to show why the Trinity is foundational and central to every aspect of Christian theology and life. Wow. That it matters for how you live. Um, so we'll, we'll include a link to that in the description. Yeah, it, it's yeah. a really good book and it's, it's substantive, but it's accessible by the average Christian. You don't have to be a scholar to read it. <clears throat> so I, I'd highly recommend that. Um, but again, you know, the, it raises another question that might even be worthy of another podcast is a person who denies the Trinity, a Christian.
0: Mm.
1: Can you deny the Trinity and, and, and still maintain any kind of genuine, um, confession that you've been born again. Um, I think there's a difference and this is important for people to know. There's a difference between, um, not being able to explain the Trinity and Mm -hmm. on the other hand, denying it. Yes. Now, if someone who's been listening to us talk says, okay, I understand you're saying the Holy Spirit is a person has all the attributes and the functions and the activities of a person. The Son is a person, the Father is a person, and yet they're not three separate gods, they're one God. I understand that, and I consciously reject it. Mm. I've got a real problem with that. Right. Because how do you, how can you be a Christian if you're denying the deity of the Father, the deity of the Son, and the deity of the Spirit? Mm -hmm. Um, But how many Christians can unpack and explain (laughs) the dynamics of the Trinity um, so I don't expect Christians to be able to give me a sophisticated theological explanation of the Trinity. Right. But if you do understand it and then you willfully repudiate it, mm. we've got a problem.
0: Yeah. I've got just a couple of questions to wrap this up that are just kind of still dancing around my, my head. One is do you think that maybe New Testament believers around the time of Jesus um had as many hang ups with the personhood of the Spirit and understanding their relationship with this Holy Spirit since they lived in a more spiritualized world than we do? We, we live in more of a secular sure. age where we've demystified everything, and everything has to be scientific and concrete and pragmatic. Do you think they, they had these hang-ups? Is that even a helpful question? I don't
1: think they did. Yeah. Um, because think of, of all these texts that we've just cited about the personhood and the activity of the Spirit, and we didn't even go into the text that affirmed the Spirit as God. I mean, there are right. countless texts. Plenty. that uh, affirm his deity. And yet there don't seem to have been any controversies around that issue. Mm-hmm. The controversies were around the deity of the Son. Right. Um, and yet we know, and, and more and more studies are coming out, that well into the latter part of the first century and the early years of the second, that Jesus was being worshipped as God. Mm-hmm. So uh, as difficult as that was for a monotheistic Jewish person, yes. you know, who daily recited the Shema, there is mm-hmm. one God, there um, is as much as a challenge as it was for them, the deity of Christ was the principal issue. Yes, um, but you don't find you don't find uh, as far as I can remember, I don't, th- I can't think of any text. Maybe you can, of where uh, a, a New Testament author is addressing challenges to the deity of the or the personality of the Holy Spirit. No, I can't think of one. It's just
0: it's it's the sun. It's a non-issue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, part of that's going to be the fact that they, like you said, the the Holy Spirit's in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And so they were used to this spirit of God, right? Um, and that it was God. You know, um, I, I just, I, I, think also just something good for us to think about is the reason why we have so many hang-ups with the Holy Spirit and understanding its person, His personhood, and how to relate to Him, um, is because we do live in such a demystified world. Mm-hmm. Because we have written off the spiritual realm, right? Um, we don't live with our spiritual eyes open, uh, thinking that there are demons and angels mm-hmm. and cherubim and you know we don't live sure. in that world like the hebrew mind might have um and and so when we introduce the holy ghost <laughs> we're, we're a little like whoa that's a little outside of the categories i live in every day um so that, i mean that might be one thing to meditate on is yeah. like find some texts in the bible that make you uncomfortable that talk about the spiritual realm Meditate on them, um, and, and maybe that would just be one exercise. Sure, and
1: and again, do your very best to avoid using the word it, it right. to refer to the Spirit. Yep. Um, because, uh, again, we're not saying the Spirit is a man. Right, yes. <laughs> but uh, the New Testament um, revelation is he's described as a he and mm-hmm. has all the personality characteristics right. that we would associate with personhood.
0: Yeah. All right, last question. We'll wrap up. Um, we've talked about the person of the Holy Spirit, that we can have a relationship with Him. How, how do we cultivate that relationship? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I, I think about how, how do I cultivate my relationship with the Father? You know, and sure. I, I pray to Him. You know, I, uh, I think about my adoption in Him and rejoice in that. Uh, how do I cultivate my relationship with Christ? I see Him in Scripture. I rejoice in His gospel. I worship Him for saving me. How do I cultivate my relationship with the Holy Spirit?
1: Well, I think the first thing is what we've just done today. You start by immersing yourself in the text of Scripture that describe him as a person. Hmm. Um, in other words, if, if, if you and I are going to, if you and I have just met, David, and yep. we're going to hopefully cultivate a close friendship, we're going to tell each other our stories. We're going to say, tell me about yourself. What yeah. do you think? Where did you come from? What's life been like? So on. And I think we have to start by immersing ourselves in these passages in which the Spirit is described. Um, I think we have to take note of the activities that the Spirit performs, and then commun- and then speak to Him about them. Yeah. So, for example, um, I think of uh, the prayer in Ephesians three, where Paul where Paul prays, "I pray that the Spirit would strengthen you in your inner being, so that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith." Mm-hmm. So I say, Spirit, I, I talk to Him. I say, Spirit mm-hmm. of God, I need that inner strengthening. Would you come? You, not it that but you would Mm -hmm. you come and do the very thing that paul has said you do would you strengthen me in my inner being um i think you know passages such as galatians 4 and romans 8 which talk about that the spirit of god has been uh, poured out into us by which we cry abba father or um uh, romans 5 5 which says that the spirit of god has been the love of god has been poured out on us through the spirit um so i think we have to spend time meditating on those texts. We have to be quick to actually ask the spirit in prayer to do the things that the Bible says that he will do. Yeah. I think that's important. Um, And overcome, overcome this prejudice we have in our hearts that somehow uh, just because the name Holy Spirit doesn't conjure up images of a Mm. a person with a body and eyes and hair and whatever. Right. That we can't relate to him. Mm. So, um, I think those are the most important steps to take. Um, sometimes it's, it's an issue of meditation, hmm. Meditate, meditating on the person of the Spirit. And, um, and, and again, speaking back to him the truths about himself as, are, as they are found in Scripture. Um, and I think that what Christians will find, and it's, it's progressive, it builds over time just like any personal relationship. Mm-hmm. You will find yourself more at ease in speaking of the spirit, of the spirit, speaking to the spirit as well, listening for His voice, um, and so I just think it's a progressive day by day cultivating a, a, a relationship in the same way that you and I would cultivate one here. Even though I yeah. can't see the spirit
0: as I'm looking at you now, mm-hmm. I know He's present. Yeah, I think it's all extremely helpful. I think um, I think this went way. I think the Holy Spirit has become way more mysterious than I thought that would that we would get to mm-hmm. coming into this. You know, I thought it was like, we're going to get in here and nail down this thing and be able to wrap my head around it. And I think the opposite is actually the goal, is to uh, increase our view of the Holy Spirit, to know that he is like... God, right? <laughs> that he's not something to be pinned down and defined and limited and boxed in.
1: And, and let's just think of this in closing Psalm 139, where David says, where can I f- go from your spirit? Mm-hmm. And and for us to go through each day, realizing there isn't one inch that I can move beyond the point where I now am, where the spirit won't be present. Wow! I'm lying down, I'm rising up everywhere. I go, everything I do, the spirit is present, yeah. present in me, and he's omnipresent, so he's around me, and that that awareness uh, is used by the Spirit Himself to awaken in us and deepen in us a consciousness of His
0: personhood. Yes, yeah, that, that's a great note to end on. Um, well, man, Sam, thank you. This has been really helpful. Um, you're going to join us again next week to talk about um, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit and um, how is that different or similar to being baptized in the spirit we'll talk about that and oh, uh, a little controversy a little controversy okay. next week so uh, join us there and we'll continue our uh, series on uh, the holy spirit thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week Thank you for listening to the Bridgeway Podcast, where you will find a new conversation every Thursday. For more information about Bridgeway Church, we invite you to visit bridgewaychurch.com, or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BridgewayOKC, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash bridgewaychurchOKC. If you have any questions that you would like us to address on the podcast, feel free to email us at podcast at And if you enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving us a review on the podcast app as it helps other people like you find our program. So on behalf of all the pastors and staff here at Bridgeway Church, I'm David Bowden saying thanks for listening and we will see you next week.